To another episode of the Tried and True podcast, where uh, we discuss all things Mariners and everything baseball. Really, uh, we have a ton to talk about around the league. Uh, baseball pretty much blew up in the past week with a bunch of off-season stories, as you can imagine. Uh, so, Mitch and I are here to break it down. As always, make sure to head over to our Substack. It's just tridenttrue.substack.com. You can see it in the show notes. But we post probably three, four times a week, as well as a weekly podcast, and then we'll have a bunch of paid content. Where if you're a paying subscriber, you get a paid subscriber chat where uh, we, Mitch and I, are going to be in there uh, very frequently and you can connect with other Mariners fans and you get access to a private Twitter community as well. So uh, with that, let's kick it off. So some stories around the league. I mean, uh, there was a couple of stories that were more of just like rumors that came out and people upset with their franchises and, you know, just different things like that. And so one of those uh, that came out of Boston was their GM basically insinuated, hey, we had the choice to make. We could choose Xander Bogarts or we can choose Rafael Devers. And they, of course, chose Rafael Devers while Bogarts signed an 11-year, $280 million deal with the San Diego Padres. Um, and then the the Red Sox continued to pay Devers uh, the 10-year, $310 million deal, uh, which obviously is a little bit more uh, than Bogart. So, Mitch, give me your thoughts on... Devers over Bogarts. Obviously, Bogarts is a little bit older, but one would say he plays a more important position at shortstop. Yeah, I mean, I I think with the shortstop pool being the way it was this year, uh, maybe they were looking for something else uh, and they just didn't get it. Um, but obviously, free agency was like absolutely insane. Uh, no one was, no one was getting below a two fifty mil. 10-year contract, so it was just kind of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, coming from uh, being a Mariners fan, I kind of understand, you know, not getting who you want in free agency. Um, but, I mean, Devers versus Bogarts, uh, they're really just looking towards the future, I think. Like, Devers being 26, Bogarts being 30. Um, uh, obviously, I think Bogarts' uh, peak right now is higher but i think devers um overall he can get there and uh i i think they're going to get a lot more peak time with devers than they would with bogarts um i feel like you're kind of overpaying bogarts uh especially for those like last three four years maybe you're really just looking for these uh first six and yeah i i can understand why they wouldn't go that route um, the Red Sox aren't really in a position to uh, to compete right now. So, yeah, I get that. Uh, Would have been yeah, nice I to feel like, both, but... Yeah, I, I feel like it's always the issue between, you know, one guy and the other, uh, who do you pay and who do you, who do you not? I think the Mariners honestly are going to have this problem here, you know, 2026, 2027. Some of, some of their rookie contracts are really lining up together. I mean, if you really look at it, Gilbert, um, the Gilberts of the world, the curb, Gilbert Kirby, Cal Raleigh, um, and, and potentially one or two more, uh, prospects that we have that are playing like big time innings. 
we're going to have the same problem. So like, I would not be shocked if, you know, there's one pitcher that's in our rotation right now. Uh, that's a young guy who potentially is, you know, we see Gilbert playing into a different uniform before 2027. I, I don't think that that's out there of the realm of possibility, but in regards to Bogarts versus Devers, I think, um, Bogart, I like Bogarts more. I just want to say that I, I like Bogarts right now more. But when you have a 30-year-old against a 26-year-old, and the 26-year-old is – he hits for power. He is uh, one of the more exciting players in baseball, uh, and I don't even think he's reached his potential here. I think instead of paying the 30-year-old until he's 41 years old, I think you have to go with Devers where you're going to get more peak time of his career. Yeah, I think that that's just a, a no-brainer almost. Whether or not Bogarts right now is better than Devers, I don't really think that that's even part of the conversation, to be honest. Uh, and last year, Devers hit you know 11 more home runs than, Dev- than uh, Bogarts. So I don't know. It, it's one of those hard ones. I, Debating Bogarts versus Devers seems like a, you know, a fool's game because they both do so many things well. And uh, I think that a lot of the times we just try to nitpick at players. And I think that they're both fantastic players that, you know, I mean, speaking of fantastic players like this San Diego Padres team. What an outrageous <laughs> lineup they have. Like I, it's, once it's Tatis Jr. comes back, I mean, what what are they going to do? What are they going to do with Bogarts and Tatis Jr.? Like, are they going to put Tatis in center field? Like, are they going to move him to second base? Like, what are they going to do? Um, yeah, there's cause, there's just new uh, New York Yankees of the league just popping up out of nowhere. <laughs> with, the, but, with the Padres being a poverty franchise not too long ago. Same thing with the Mets. <laughs> Yeah. Just absolutely spending out their ass. It's it's insane. And then you have the Mets who are like, I mean, the Mets are just not even spending smartly. Like they're just spending whatever they can. Like they, right, yeah. I mean, they, they almost finished a Correa deal where like it, the reports are coming out. Like Correa's got pretty much a broken leg still. So <laughs> like the Dude, twins I were like, they were yeah, coming we out care. with. Yeah, I thought they were coming out with like Korea had like a year to live or something. Like, the, I I just love seeing the uh, the physicals coming out. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's gonna make it. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, when you really look at Carlos Correa, like it just kind of seems like he's that glass house guy. Like over the past couple of years, like when he gets injured, like when he turns an ankle or something like that, he's gone for like six weeks. Like it's not like (laughs) a, I'll be back in the lineup tomorrow guy. Like Carlos Correa is one of those guys that's not going to battle through an injury. Like, and and that might be like, I'm just defaming somebody's character right now, but that's just what I see from afar that what he did with the Astros and then what he did with the twins last year. Like if he's nicked up or dinged up at all, like he ain't playing like he's he's going yeah. to be on that bench so um i don't know i he again he i think that the padres um for the most part if you can go get a xander bogarts to replace tatis jr at shortstop uh while figuring out what you're going to do with tatis jr as you're figuring out his off the field issues uh and you've got a solid dude in bogarts who's never been in trouble he's a great locker room guy great teammate um you probably go do it, but now it's the it's like an embarrassment of riches because you've got Juan Soto, Tatis Jr., and Xander Bogarts all on the same team. Um, I still think their pitching has like a long way to go, but I mean, yeah, th- this sure. is kind of what they did last year. I mean, they just basically like out hit other teams and they didn't really care about pitching. That's 
that's all they're doing. Um, I'm go- I'm going to take a second to look up uh, the Padres uh, starting rotation real quick because I think that uh, although they have, I'm just seeing because Joe Musgrove played really well last year, like no doubt mm-hmm. about it. He yeah, he pitched really course. well. Um, and Darvish is always going to be there, although. I don't know if we like if we're being if we're in the trust tree right now. You Darvish throwing a three seven five ERA. I mean, we can we can accurately say you Darvish is no longer like prime you Darvish, right? Like, is that well? Will I get crucified saying that you Darvish is not like if you Darvish let, was let it just, just three seven five last year? Yes, and he was twelve and nine. So it's not like he has any like world beating statistics behind him here. Um, I just. Like, let me just put it this way: if if you Darvish was in the Mariners' rotation, he'd be the number three. <laughs> Wait, are you right. sure you're looking at the right player? By the way, I think he. I'm looking here, and it looks like he pitched a three-one. Is that his career three-seven-five? Oh, uh, I'm looking at a three-five for a career. You might be thinking of know. a different Padres pitcher. No, honestly, this is a uh, this is Rodawire. So, shout out Rodawire for just totally uh <laughs> savaging yeah i mean he had a 3-1 last year so but i mean he, that was following up his 4-2-2 previous year uh the year before struggled. yeah but i mean yeah i mean yeah. wildly uh wildly um you know not very consistent we'll say but uh <laughs> looking at his career he just he bounces around uh like year to year you really don't know what you're going to get out of him not really a pitcher that i'd like uh playing for for me but let's just be honest like this is his 11th season so i think that the thing i was getting at the most here was you darvish like anchoring (laughs) your starting rotation i don't necessarily know if it's like a super awesome thing for the padres to go on this season and be like hey joe musgrove and you darvish like good luck this year like you're you're the guys again when they're coming off years where it, I mean, three one is great, but like if that's the only guy in your rotation that you can trust, Joe Musgrove was like he had flashes. I think you know he threw a no hitter in twenty twenty one, so like he he's had flashes of like brilliance. But I don't know. There's so many pitchers out there. I'm surprised that instead of going to get like Bogarts, let's say, I'm surprised they didn't go after a Verlander or they didn't go after one of those top. Rotate top of the rotation arms, like you know, um, guys that you've seen all around the league this year, uh, get contracts. I, you know, I yeah. even Texas I, taking a couple of arms, like I would have probably taken some of the arms that Texas got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at uh, World Series winners and you look at some of those rosters, you're looking at elite pitchers in the top three of your rotation. So, getting like a Verlander is is absolutely worth the money like over and over um so it's it's tough to see teams you know not have that piece uh and just get like robbie raid in the playoffs um (laughs) uh yeah my god i i feel like the texas rangers are like primed for that spot where they're putting themselves in a position to win a decent amount of games but just get absolutely shelled come playoff time or set themselves up to where like Jacob deGrom and Martin Perez are like, they're only two guys. And if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a problem. But like they got there because everybody's been healthy all year. 
So if mm-hmm. I was the GM, listen, that's probably not the strategy that I would go with if we're being completely honest here. Just yeah, hoping so and praying that kids are uh, staying healthy. Yeah, I think especially with the Padres, um, going back to that, like you're you're looking at a a uh, you know once in like 15 years or so World Series team that really needs to compete, and it's just it's odd to me not getting a pitcher um, when you're spending so much money in the in the off seasons uh, and uh, and making those trades for Juan Soto last year. Um, so yeah, I I really would have liked to see them uh, get a uh, get like a fantastic starting rotation uh, for the playoffs. Also, a guy that I really like, and I honestly wanted him to be a Mariner just to be a back end of the rotation guy. But Blake Snell, I think Blake Snell is. Oh yeah, of um, course. Yeah, again, like when he's healthy. I think he's really good, but he just hasn't been healthy. So Blake Snell is another guy that could potentially be a good rotation guy for the Padres. But again, him being a three doesn't sound that sexy. <laughs> totally yeah, honest. I mean, like if we're putting the like, I'll go back to the Mariners example. If we're putting the Mariners against the Padres rotations, I think the Mariners win four games to one. Like I just do. Like, yeah, maybe, watching maybe Louis Castillo a, go out there and just go absolutely bonkers against them would be. Uh, uh, it would be a sight to see. Also, George Kirby, for some reason, has ice in his veins. He is <laughs> ice cold in the fucking playoffs for absolutely no reason for a rookie. God, we're so, going to uh, give him so much money. Like, absurd. <laughs> absurd. Like, uh, uh, like George Kirby is going to be a very, very wealthy human <clears throat> being. That, that's all I, I have to say. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> Logan Gilbert in his second season, George Kirby in his first. Like, my God, man. Just again, absurd. Uh, moving on to really another team that uh, has improved their lineup a bunch. I still, I go back and forth whether I like them to compete or not. But um, Chicago Cubs, the Cubs are the Cubs are doing some things. And Trey yep. Mancini signed by the Cubs over the weekend, and it seems like with the Swanson, with the Bellinger. With the now Mancini, like their lineups kind of coming together and starting to pop a little bit to where like the Cubs aren't going to be the, the like joke of the NL Central anymore. They they may be legit. I I, I wouldn't say they're World Series contenders by any means, but um, I, I would say Mitch, they what are your thoughts on the Cubs? I would say they definitely have a shot uh, at going deep in the playoffs. I whenever the playoffs comes around, people always look at. Uh, teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees, uh, and they see these powerhouses that just can't lose, and then they just end up losing anyways. So yeah. um, uh, to teams like the Phillies that just come out of nowhere, right? Um, so it, it's definitely possible. I, I love seeing the Trey Mancini signing because I think that's a piece that they definitely needed. And it's also just a player that is like loved by the MLB community as a whole. Um uh, so I mean they're they're definitely winning, uh, they're definitely uh, doing some winning this year, uh, which will be fun to see. Uh, one of the guys that I want people to put some respect on his name, Ian Happ. I I love oh, yeah. Ian Happ. I thought we could potentially get him at the deadline last year as like a dark horse steal for the Mariners because the it seemed like the Cubs were doing a fire sale and they ended up not trading some of the guys on their team, which ended up leaving in the free agency. It was so weird um, that the Cubs didn't, the Cubs just 
wanted them to stay for 60 more games to like mm-hmm. get dead last in NL Central. Um, but Ian Happ, I mean, he hit 271 on a garbage team. He has a 342 OBP last year. He's a career 250 hitter. I think that he could be majorly productive, especially in a lineup with a bunch of veterans like Eric Hosmer and Cody Bellinger and now Dansby Swanson. I think that Ian Happ has carried the weight of the Cubs lineup for quite a few years after Chris Bryant and Javi Baez um, and uh, you know those guys have left and. Now I think Ian Happ is going to like chill in a, you know, five, six spot where he can kind of hang out and, and do really well. So look for Ian Happ to be really good this year. If the, if the Cubs are competing at all, I think that he has got to be a guy who uh, plays really well and does a lot of things for the Cubs. Um, looking at their Absolutely. pitching rotation though. Oof. Oof. I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, I mean, I, I'm a big Marcus Stroman fan, but if Marcus Stroman is your ace, what are we doing here? Oh, like, you are a big Marcus Stroman fan. A big Marcus Stroman fan. And for me to say that is obviously like it's damning to be totally, totally oh, truthful yeah. towards the Cubs organization. If I'm sitting here being like, guys, we got to figure this thing out. We're, like, we're in trouble here. Yeah. I mean, Stroman, Stroman only threw 138 innings. He was injury prone last year. He only threw 179 innings the year before. So he's had some injury concerns. So if you are thinking that Stroman is going to carry a 200 plus inning, you know, season for you, probably not a good bet uh, on top of Kyle Kendricks and Drew Smiley being your like two, three, and then Jamison Talon being your four. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like kind of chuckling because like, There's- again, like you're going to go into spring training with this starting rotation and think that all of these pieces like Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, Cody Bellinger, like, I hope you're not like, I hope you're truly not thinking that you're going to compete other than like selling tickets uh, because you've got some like big names in your roster. This kind of seems to be truthful. Like this kind of seems like an Oakland A's team, right? Like they're just putting together like big names that are kind of at the end of their career. They're not paying them all that much. And except Dansby Swanson, he just got like a fat bag, but like, Hmm. I, I don't know. It just seems like they got a, big, a bunch of big names to sell some tickets. But if I'm looking at their full lineup, this ain't good. This ain't good. Yeah, I, I would call them uh, the A's like much older, bigger, better brother. but <laughs> With way uh, more money. Yeah. <laughs> and a cooler stadium. More handsome, good looking. Like just, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I yeah, it's looking at the starting rotation. It's It's a bit rough. I think the Cubs are a wait and see kind of team. Uh, you don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, but, It'd be uh, cool. I mean, like, we can all agree. Baseball is better when, like, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Yankees, like, they're all competing. And when you see a, absolutely. Team, when you see a team like the Cubs that is just, you know, kind of flailing around, signing people randomly, I still have I, – I don't really know what the Cubs are doing. If we're, if we're, like, again, in the trust tree here, don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> like they're signing yeah, Dansby Swanson to this massive well, deal, but they're not bolster, bolstering their starting rotation. But their the their uh, farm system is not that highly rated either. So I, I guess you know what? Like maybe uh, the Suzuki who they signed on the, in the international pool, maybe he's like the second Shohei Otani from the plate, and mm-hmm. we're just missing it. Maybe that's what they're betting on. But this does not um, 
yeah, this does not scream a team that's going to compete for 162 games and make a playoff run by any means. Uh, yeah, I mean, a possible wild card with a with a miraculous run into the playoffs would be uh, most likely with that's this like Cubs team. That's like their ceiling, though. Like, I just, yeah, I the the Cubs overall. I, I I always hate these teams because just like the Rockies, like what are the Rockies doing? They signed Chris Bryant to a massive deal, but they don't do anything else. They just like sign. It kind of reminds me of when the Mariners signed Cano and we're like, hopefully Man, he fixes I, everything. I was hopefully about to say hits, like, <laughs> this is so reminiscent of like, <laughs> this is probably how people talked about the Mariners when they signed Nelson Cruz. They had Kyle Seager, Robinson Cano. Like what are they doing? Uh, <laughs> Like one good pitcher, always, always one no. good pitcher, and that was it. the The rest of the roster was just complete. Day holy baby, day holy, like shit yeah, like, like that. What? It was just like little bits and pieces picked up from like uh, from out of nowhere. But listen, if you're gonna go for it, go for it. Like if you're gonna sign Dansby Swanson, go get Jacob Degrom. Like, if you're going to sign Dansby Swanson, go get Verlander. Like, put some pieces together to where you can, like, work something out. Maybe maybe Suzuki and Dansby, they thought, oh, we got Suzuki. Like, we got to go get Dansby now. But in my head, like, you got to do a little bit more than what, what they, they showed us this this week. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. But the, the Cubs could surprise people. Maybe if they're doing really well at the deadline and they go get scraps from a – from another team that's not doing so hot at the deadline. Uh, we see them make a little bit of a run, but right now they're like so mediocre, so mediocre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and moving past this, uh, I just want to give a shout out to the Phillies because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like after, uh, you know, losing in the world series uh, and getting Trey Turner, no one talks about the Phillies for absolutely no reason. Yep. Like I, I think everyone just thought it was like a miracle run through the playoffs or something, and oh, and you know, make, they just make did no super mistake, well. it was, it was, 100%. yeah, for sure. Like, but they shouldn't even make the playoffs to that roster. My yeah. God, yeah, and the, the Nationals have to be kicking themselves because oh, they, uh, yeah, man, they hate if, it. <laughs> if only they just kept the players that they were the ones that brought up, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. crazy, crazy, crazy that they decided they're just going to pass on all these, all these teams. Um, yeah, they get a World I, Series out of it, but yeah, that is a hell of a price to pay. The Phillies definitely, for sure, were uh, were one of those teams though that that got way better this off season, and nobody talked about it. Absolutely nobody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you, to, if you had to guess the over under total what the over-under total is set at for the Cubs, what would you say it is? I'll give you a couple of markers. The Cincinnati Reds have a 64-and-a-half win total. While, okay. While the Braves have a 94-and-a-half win total. Okay. So that give, I- and then I'll give you one more just for shits and gigs. But again, the Cincinnati Reds have six and a half, sixty-four and a half win total. Colorado Rockies have a sixty-eight and a half total. So where do you think the Cubs are at? I mean, the Cubs have to be better than those teams. Like, absolutely. I, I have to give them like a a seventy-eight, eighty. <laughs> Mitch, you nailed it. Seventy-eight, dude. Oh, Their win total yeah. is seventy-eight. 
So the uh, yeah, pr- they're projected, I guess, to go. What is that? Like 84, 80 or 78 and 84, which below 500, but that's kind of where we expect them at. Right. Like they didn't, they got better, but not that much better. You know, they're, they yeah, still need, sure. need and, some pieces. And I don't know much about the, uh, uh, the Cubs minor league or anything like that, but you know, maybe there's some pieces that they're looking to put together a George Kirby hidden amongst, you know, the, the rabble in AAA. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll just, we'll have to see. Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces, especially on an MLB club And the Cubs are one of those teams that it seems like they, even if their farm system's not good, they have somebody in AAA that is hitting 340 and they bring up in the middle of the season. So we'll see how that goes as well. But, Mm -hmm. uh, shifting gears to some Mariner talk, uh, is Julio. Julio was at the forefront uh, this week, uh, mainly because he's playing for uh, the Dominican team, which is awesome. But mm-hmm. uh, also, there was a couple of cover artists that decided that Julio is potentially going to be on the cover of MLB The Show. Pretty sweet. Honestly, the cover, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go to tridenttrue.substack.com. We have the cover artwork for you guys. But um yeah, Julio being on the cover of MLB The Show as a rookie. I mean, he's in going into his second year, but that'd be pretty damn cool. I mean, that, yeah, that would that would be awesome. I think uh, that to me is more like a um, it's more like a Hall of Fame consideration or something like that. Where <laughs> I, I yeah. doubt, you know, it's just highly unlikely he gets it just because of the obvious, like Aaron Judge coming off uh, like one of the most incredible seasons we've ever seen. And uh, uh, people like Shohei Otani just existing. So, yeah. Um, in the future, though, I I guarantee we see Julio on a cover at some point in his career. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if he did that much to get on the cover. Let's say this time around, but uh, winning Rook of the Year, being being one of the most electric guys in the MLB right now and uh almost winning a home run derby can't forget that um but also right, the, M- yeah. the all-star game being in Seattle this year I think it would be even cooler if he was n- on next year after potentially winning a home run derby Mariners maybe making an even better run his average looking like it's closer to 300 something like that um as much as I love Julio like he's still hitting the 270s here like we're not talking about somebody who you know Bryce Harper who like busted into the league hitting you know 325 um although right. I'll take it any any time of time of the the year Julio stats I just and you know he steals bases which it's still funny to hear DePoto say that he was a slow guy in the minor leagues until he got up to the major leagues <laughs> yeah I I, I really like uh, base runners, actually. Um, there's something about that shit where, like, the stats don't really show it too often, like how, how good a player is at um, stuff like that. Everyone's looking at averages and how they are on defense. No one really looks at base running, which is why I like Haggerty, which is why I like all of our pinch runners, honestly. Um, why I love Julio. Colton Wong just uh, has, like, a sly 16 stolen bases like last year. I, I I just love watching that shit. Man, I've been saying forever that the Mariners have to put the game in motion more, and this feels like the team to do it. Like, even, oh, they're even, so fast. Uh, this is going to sound so old baseball head of me, but man, like even just bunting, dude. Like, how many <laughs> games last year? I I was yelling at my screen like every other week because the Mariners had no outs. 
runners on like tie game, like bottom of the ninth, let's say one to one runner on second, no outs, literally no outs. And what would we do? Roll over to third base and then one out. Then like they'd walk the next guy and then double play ball in end to ending. You're like, all right, well, you know what would have been better (laughs) is if we actually had a productive out before we decided to throw it all away. But Hey, who am I? You know? Yeah. I just, I just want to just die with Ichiro. Right. And I get, I get it. The analytics are horrible against bunting and like, you're better off swinging away and yada, yada, yada. But I feel like it also matches the Mariners theme of this year. If they have guys that can lay down a bunt, if they have guys that are speedy on the bases, like I like that kind of baseball. I like Mm -hmm. the, the baseball that we can, you know, go first to third on a um, ball to center field, things like that, that you don't see very often, but guys with speed, uh, there was a few years where we had like Cano, Nelson Cruz, Seager in the lineup that, you know, they could never steal base. So absolutely like, not. It's it's nice to see Julio Rodriguez, Colton Wong, JP Crawford, even JP Crawford. Like JP Crawford's not that fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Uh which is I mean, you would think he is, but Well, he's just a sh- like scrawny short guy, so you're like Immediately, you're like that guy's probably fast, right? But right, no, yeah, he's played shortstop. Like I don't know. I feel like they're usually pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know. Very strange. Uh, when he first came over, I was like, "Oh, dude, he's a burner." Like shortstop, like a lefty shortstop. Like he's gonna be, he's gonna be quick. And I was like, "Wait, I don't think JP's fast at all." <laughs> like that was a that was a tough <laughs> realization. Like uh, a couple months into him playing for the M's. Um, okay, so Julio being on the cover of MLB The Show, that would be super awesome. But um, we're a little bit doubtful that that's going to happen, especially after Aaron, Aaron Judge broke the AL home run record. That's for sure. One of the other debates that we had on Twitter was actually Felix Hernandez. So Felix, if you guys don't know, he is actually going to be inducted into the Mariners Hall of Fame in the beginning of August, which, you know, congrats to Felix. Uh, incredible deserved um but it sparked a larger debate of do the does the mlb as a whole see felix as a hall of famer like is felix an mlb hall of famer he has over 2500 strikeouts he has thrown a perfect game he has over 170 wins under his belt and he's thrown over 2500 innings what do we think about Felix potentially being a candidate for the MLB Hall of Fame? Is that something that we could potentially see here uh, in the next couple of years? Or is he a Mariners legend, but not yet an MLB Hall of Famer? Yeah, so looking at, I was looking at some of the Hall of Famers of, of the past few years and people who just like barely missed out. Um, most notably last year was Roger Clemens missing, Kurt Schilling missing uh barry bonds missing and those were their last ballots um yeah those are a little bit different in my mind just because they're all attached to steroids yeah absolutely so the the steroids uh you know thing is is kind of different i don't know if roger clemens was ever actually caught but people well i don't think any of them are they were just on that report right yeah yeah yeah. and you can kind of just guess (laughs) 
<laughs> that sounds bad, but like, it, it, like it doesn't take a genius to go back into the early two thousands and look at some of the early parts of anybody's career, and then look at them when they were like with the Yankees or winning championships uh, elsewhere. It didn't take that that much to be like, dude, that guy's down. Like, if you please do me a favor, if you're listening to this podcast, go look at Barry Bonds rookie year. Please, please go look at Barry Bonds' rookie card. He is like 170 pounds soaking wet. When he retired, the dude was like 240. Like, it didn't, again, take a genius to look at the guy and be like, wow. Something, Yeah, either his strength coach is one of the best in the world, or there's something going on. Yeah, just fairly anecdotal for a second. Uh, There was a guy I went to high school with who was probably like, I don't know, 6'2", 160. And right now, uh, like, the first time I saw him, like, three years ago, uh, it couldn't have been, you know, that long after high school. He was at least 250, just (laughs) roided out of his gourd. I've never seen anyone change that much in my entire life. Shout out. I don't know. uh, That stuff is is so funny to me, just looking at the physical differences. But um, those, okay, so those are definitely different. Right, the Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Um, but I think one that is more similar would be somebody like Johan Santana. So Johan Santana, um, I would argue, I I really do love Felix. Like he he is one of my favorite players of all time. But I would say Johan Santana has a higher peak than Felix, um, winning two Cy Youngs and being in the being in Cy Young consideration another, what, four times um, from 2003 to 2008. He, he had a, an, an incredibly high peak in those years. Um, and you look at Felix, and it's similar, but the stats don't really add up as much. Uh, and when you look at Johan Santana in the Hall of Fame ballot, I think he got 10 votes. It, it, he wasn't even close to being a Hall of Famer. So I think when the the ballot and the committee looks at it, they look at uh, longevity as part of uh, as part of like a player being a Hall of Famer. And unfortunately, Felix just doesn't have that as as good as he was in in that time. Yeah, I think that Johan and Felix both have basically been in the same conversation of okay. Like they, they had similar careers. They were, you know, the best at, you know, what they were doing in their time period. Um, the one I, I have two, two stats just to throw this out. You talk about longevity, uh, in Felix played for three more seasons and had 700 more innings than, uh, Johan Santana. Uh, mm-hmm. Felix also had 500 more strikeouts than Johan Santana as well. So I would sure. put Felix above Johan Santana, but I do like the marker of Johan Santana because I think that that is a good gauge to where Felix is going to be And Johan Santana is nowhere near the hall of fame. Like, and that's not my opinion. That's the, that's the ballot. It's telling yeah, us that, not right? even close. So if he's getting 10 votes and we think that Felix, okay, yeah, Felix is a little bit better. Is he twice as better? So what? He gets 20 votes. That's still nowhere near uh, a hall of fame career. Um, and somebody was asking me, you know, on Twitter too, like, well, they can still retire his Jersey number. The Mariners don't technically have a stipulation that they can't retire his Jersey number, but every 
jersey number that they've retired have all been players that are in the MLB Hall. That are so yep, yep. And so I, I just I just don't see Felix, it, which is sad. It, it honestly is sad because he pitched so well for 15 years. He was that guy for the Mariners, but um, it's it, it really is. It makes me a little sad that he he won't be recognized as like one of the best. Uh, baseball players to play although he's he's arguably a top five mariner of all time like that's that's just the truth he might be a top three like it might it might literally go like something like griffey ichiro felix and you can argue edgar should be the top three um in, in ahead of felix but it might go griffey griffey ichiro edgar felix like that i mean that might be the list yeah in, in my mind uh, I mean, Mariners baseball was a a dark, dark place for people <laughs> in the in the two, late two thousands, twenty tens, all throughout. So, um, having somebody that was as electric and fun to watch as Felix, um, you know, having the the K's court or the the Kings court, um, you know, from like oh nine to twenty fifteen, he was one of the best pitchers in the MLB. That is no small stretch. And uh, every single one of those games was just electric. I remember listening on the radio to Felix pitch. Man, I think he threw like 15 strikeouts or something like that. It was something insane that I was just like listening to uh, in in just a random uh, regular season game. It was, it was completely random. And uh, it was the on- one of the only reasons. He was one of the only players that uh, kept me like coming back watching loving the Mariners. So I, I can't stress enough that, you know, Felix is a fantastic player. Um, and I think a lot of like those stats aren't going to show just how much he meant to the Seattle community. Um, but unfortunately he's just not a hall of famer. Yeah. I think if Felix ended his career, like if Felix had one or two more years, I really feel like he would have been right there. Right. But Man, like everybody knows us that that that's a Felix or a Mariners fan. His last two years were brutal. Like they truly were. Yeah. Like we needed to take the uh, the guy to the shed. Like at, at that point, yeah. like <laughs> his last two years, he went eight and fourteen and one and eight. And in those years, he combined for a over six ERA. Like I'm surprised that Jerry even put up with. Felix for the 2018, 2019 season. I do want to go back though to the 2009 season. I do think Felix was robbed of a Cy Young. I know he's won one, but he most definitely, most definitely should have won the Cy Young in 2009. He was 19 and five, 19 and five with a 3.09, sorry, 19 and five uh, with a two, four, nine ERA. I mean, at that point, you just have to give it to uh, you have to give it to Felix. Like is it, he lost to Zach Greinke that year. Zach Greinke was sixteen and eight. Um, so Zach Greinke admittedly had a two point one six ERA. So obviously, Zach Greinke had a phenomenal year. But just the year, I mean, Felix. Like you have to take into account that year. Mariners went eighty five and seventy seven, uh, which means that the like he basically put the team on his back. <laughs> like going yeah, nineteen had, and five, yeah, little doing to that. no I mean, support for sure. Little you to can no see, support. You can say the same thing about twenty fourteen. Actually, yeah, uh, Corey Kluber won that year. 
with uh, that was a that was another year that I truly thought that Felix was going to win Cy Young. Like I, I definitely, I was like sitting there being like, oh, for sure, like he he's got this, and he he actually might have more of an argument in 2014 than he had in 2009. To be completely yeah, I, honest, I think he's the think one so that too. had the 2.14 ERA mm-hmm, that year yep. with a 15. He was 15 and six. So I don't know what. I would even argue that Chris Sale probably should have won it over Corey Kluber. Chris Sale had a 2.17 ERA that year. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, and you he went look 12 at and 4. it. You look at it though, and Felix Hernandez has a better WHIP, better ERA, better ERA plus, more like uh, more innings by uh, what 0.8. <laughs> but still, like, I it's just insane to me that uh, because um, because somebody else gets more wins. Um, they're just yeah. I think that year automatically. The only thing I remember that year in the knock on Felix is Corey Kluber was throwing complete games and Felix was not uh, because right. Felix had a ton that of is innings. True. Uh, Felix threw over two hundred and thirty six innings that year, so we were like capping him because he was so healthy all year. We were capping him while Corey Kluber on the other side was not throwing as many innings but he was throwing complete games in the games. He was pitching really well. So, you know, he would pitch six, seven innings, but his strikeout total was so high uh, that his, he would exit in the sixth or seventh. And then those games, he would go all the way where Felix was, that was the year that Felix had like some crazy streak, like 15 games or something like that with a one earned run or less given up, which I think it would, I think if I'm, remember right it was two earned runs or less or two am i thinking runs of the degrom run yeah which is bananas right like if you if you can <laughs> go that many games with two runs or less i mean bananas and a lot of those games honestly if he didn't give up if he gave up two or more runs like he wouldn't have had a win so just just crazy to think about um uh, yeah looking Felix, looking at this uh in 2014 uh felix hernandez records seven plus innings and two runs or less in 14th straight outing. That is some insane Wild. stuff. Wild, dude. That's crazy. So arguably, I mean, Felix almost has three Cy Youngs. So, you know, I we'll see what happens when it comes to the ballots. I doubt he gets he gets close to a Hall of Fame career. But, man, we can all appreciate Felix. When he was at his best, he was at his best. And he was a Absolutely. workhorse, man. Like, Felix throwing 200 and 30 innings in multiple years back to back is impressive to say the least. Like Felix was almost never hurt besides the end of his career uh, where we were winding him down a little bit, but um, you know, shout out Felix, man. Like he was, he was awesome for so many years. It was, it was fun to watch him. So although he's not a hall of famer potentially in the MLB's eyes, I think uh, as a Mariners hall of famer, we'll see him in quite a few things uh, down the road. And you know, he's rich as shit, dude. Like who cares? <laughs> like I love when people debate. Like, oh, are you a Hall of Famer? People are like, dude, I'm. I literally am worth four hundred million dollars. I could care yep. less if some like nerd baseball writer decides <laughs> my career was like worth it for fifteen years, and I'm not on this mega yacht in in Florida. You know, it's like yeah, you definitely made his bag for sure. <laughs> yeah, deservedly so. Like yeah. Hundred percent, dude. Like it, it's, and I'm glad he was a Mariner's uh, a Mariner. Like ninety nine percent of his career, he had those weird like spring training stints with Atlanta, and uh, I think one, there, one with the White Sox or something like that. It was so weird seeing mm-hmm. him in those uniforms, but he never actually played a regular season game. Thank God. So, 
Mariner, yeah, Mariner's Mariner whole for career. life. Love it. Yeah. Started at 19, which is crazy. Um, all right. Um, my last topic here for us, uh, it, the international signing period has come and gone. Uh, and the Mariners signed uh, the number two prospect in the international pool from the Dominican, Felnin, Celestin. So, I mean, the dude is an absolute baller. 6'2 shortstop who is a switch hitter. He has comps to D.D. Gregorius um, with some high-end stuff that uh, people are talking about a uh, ceiling of Francisco Lindor. So, with that, I mean, those are some pretty lofty expectations. The kid's only 17 years old, so prospects, whether they work out or not, it's just fun to project some of that stuff. And honestly, all I cared about uh, looking at this is him being 17, potentially making to the big leagues at, at 22, 23. Uh, that gives him six years. Uh, that will be perfect time for JP to ride off into the sunset. So um, I think it, it handing the torch from JP Crawford over to Celestin uh, at the end of his career would be pretty pretty cool. Um, and then the second kid that we got in the top 50, his name is Jeter Martinez, which uh, is a top one uh, name, but top 50 <laughs> international prospect. Jeter Martinez, he's 6'4 uh, out of Mexico, and is he lives anywhere from 89 to 91 miles per hour at just 16 years old. So uh, two very, very young prospects, but one of the best international classes that we've signed. Uh, one of the most notable things about the international signings is uh, Julio in 2017 was a top 10 prospect and he signed for $1.7 million. Celestin, he was the number two prospect this year and he signed with the Mariners for $4.7 million. So that just goes to show you how much value the Mariners see in, uh, this young kid. So, uh, Mitch, any thoughts on these two prospects and potentially just the international signing period? Man, I, I love it. Um, I think with, the Mariners, you're obviously not going to see a lot of free agent signings, um, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be Trader Jerry and the international signings, and just uh, whoever they draft. Um, and I think the international, uh, you know, uh, pool is is uh, is pretty deep. Um, you know, people like Altuve and Julio coming out of it, and uh, like just uh, a ton of players. And while they might not always work out or even bust at an astronomical rate, um, it's really cool to see the Mariners get a number two and a, I believe, a top five pitcher. Um, so all all that is, you know, it's it's years off and it might not work out, but it's still really cool to see the Mariners uh, deep in their um, farm system. So. Yeah, I love it. I think they one of the things that goes really under the radar is we built, I think it was four or five years ago, the Mariners invested in a facility in the Dominican Republic um, yep. that w that cost, you know, five, six million dollars. And it was a groundbreaking thing. And not just for the Mariners, but for Dominican prospects to be able to have a facility to train, to have the resources to be able to hone their craft at a young age like some of the United States baseball players have the opportunity to do. I think that that is something I think is really cool that the Mariners have done, whether they're the ones to sign them or not. I think that providing other countries with the resources that are given to, uh, you know, United States baseball players and some of the MLB players that have come up, um, you know, at least domestically, uh, 
that is really cool to me. So I think that that's something that, you know, to look out for six of the eight prospects that were signed yesterday uh, were from the Dominican. So I think that it's paying off in a big way, investing in these countries, um, not only for baseball, but investing in these countries just more globally and working uh, with those kind of relationships. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think, um, you know, the MLB isn't, isn't just uh, the USA. Obviously, we get people from from everywhere, South Korea, Japan, Dominican Republic. um, And those, uh, you know, those people that come over uh, to the US really make the MLB what it is today. Some of our favorite players have obviously been, you know, not from the United States originally. Uh, So it's it's cool to uh, to see the Mariners kind of give back and, you know, train these players uh, uh, even yet. Right. Even if they don't, you know, sign with the Mariners. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, it's something that is gone largely under the radar at, for Jerry DePoto's regime as he's entered um, the Mariners organization, just investing more in international prospects. You saw him trade uh, quite a bit of capital uh, for the international pool when Shohei Otani was available. And now you're seeing that pay off with us being able to pay some of these young kids uh, a little bit more money as they are uh, entering the international pools. Um, all right, we have a uh, we have a segment uh, left for the show, the uh, Trident Spotlight. So we're going to spotlight one player each week before uh, we get to our preseason predictions that are going to come next month. Um, Mitch, do you want to give us your Trident Spotlight? Uh, I'm going to give you two because I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one because uh, I'm going Andres Munoz again. Andres Munoz, uh, by the way, happy birthday. His birthday is January 16th today. He just turned 24. Um, but I, I really think Andres Munoz next year is going to be um, even better than what we saw. Uh, I think um, looking at his like baseball savant stats and looking at uh, what he actually did with the RA and whip, stuff like that, um, and comparing him to you know the best in the league like Edwin Diaz, I really think he is going to be pitching about a 1-8. That's my prediction. I think he's going to be pitching a 1-8 ERA. Um, I think he's going to maintain, if not get better, in a lot of his uh, in a lot of his like percentile and uh, and like barrel percentage or hard hit percentage or average exit velocity stuff like that. Um, he's already in like the the top one percent of most of these stats which is just insane to me. I mean, he's he's averaging like 100-mile-per-hour fastball, stuff like that. Uh, he's just incredibly fun to watch um, every time he's on the mound. So, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. I, I say he throws about a 0.8 whip, 1.8 ERA, and I'm actually going to go further and say he gets 35 saves. Um, I, I see, I see I like a that. massive season for Andres Munoz next year. And because I cheated, I'm actually going to give one more player. I'm going to say Marco Gonzalez. Now, Marco oh, Gonzalez, yeah, this, this is going to be a rough one to defend. But uh, I think Marco Gonzalez uh, does much better this year. I don't think um, the Mariners pitching staff, with the way they work, I don't see them letting Marco Gonzalez slide and just maintaining a subpar, you know, uh, fifth rotation spot pitcher 
Um, I still he's I still think he's going to be in that spot. I just think he's going to be doing a bit better. Um, you know, his strikeout percentage was, I think, one of the worst in the league. Um, his uh, tough to strike people out when you're throwing 87. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, looking at like fastball spin, and you know, uh, uh, <laughs> looking at like uh, you know his speed on some of these pitches, it's really low. I don't think they let him stay there, um, unless unless he gets traded to another team, uh, and he just doesn't show like any improvement. I don't think that will happen. Uh, I think we see Marco Gonzalez step it up a bit. Um, I can't really tell you what his stats would be if if I were to guess. We're gonna see something like a three nine ERA, which isn't great, but I would say for a fifth, you know, uh, spot in the rotation. I, I would say that's serviceable. I think we see Marco Gonzalez have a slight bump from last year and do a bit better. I don't think he regresses any further. I, I think he will do just fine. Um, but yeah, th- those are my two. I like it. I, I actually think I, I'm like, uh, I'm a, like a fence sitter on this flex and Marco debate. I said it on last podcast, but I truly think we're going to need both. To be honest, like it's a 162 game season. There's going to be stretches where, you know, Flexen's in the bullpen. There's going to be stretches where Marco's probably in the bullpen, but ultimately they're going to get, I said, over 150 innings, both of them. Um, you know, that's barring, God forbid, anybody in the rotation doesn't get hurt also. That's, that's really saying that Castillo, Ray, Gilbert, and Kirby are all just going to be fully healthy throwing 200 innings this year, which, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I hope happens, but I just don't necessarily think that that's realistic to think that they're, they're going to um, stay that healthy. So I think Marco is going to be a big piece. Um, there's so much trade speculation that Marco is going to be traded before we get to spring training. I hope that's not the case. I truly think that he's such a good mariner, although I know he hates Jerry DePoto. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's again going to be, Interesting to find out what what we use Marco for, but I do think that he's going to be a big part of it. So, um, all right, my Trident Spotlight this week is going to be on J.P. Crawford. So I, I really think J.P. Crawford's last year uh, was a fluke year in a bad way, meaning um, hitting 243 was his lowest average um, of his plate appearances that he's had and playing more than 100 games. So uh, he played 160 in 2021. He played uh, over 145 games in 2022. Um, but I think that we see JP get back to that 270 range average um, and striking out a whole lot less. I think that his, the strikeouts just really started ramping up on JP at the end of the year, and we saw him put the ball in play a whole lot less. So um, we haven't talked about this, and this will be a topic uh, for another podcast, but I think JP is going to benefit greatly from the shift being banned. And so as we see the shift being banned, you'll see Kelnick, you'll see JP, um, you'll see them actually put the ball in play in those outs turning into more hits. Um, JP frequently gets the shift put on him in uh, one of the worst ways. And we talked about it earlier. He's not a fast guy. He can't just lay down a bunt uh, every time that they shift on him. So I think with the shift being banned on top of JP, just regressing to his normal average, I think that we see JP have a monster year and that's not just for offensive. I think that we see JP have a better year defensively. He was, he started to really, 
probably drop to one of the worst shortstops uh, in the AL West and in the really the AL um, at the end of the year. And so hopefully uh, I know that he's been banged up and nicked up. Hopefully we see a healthy JP Crawford uh, regress to his normal average while also playing a better defensive shortstop. Um, and if you can't, you know, well, we have some guys that are in the pipeline that uh, certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was kind of sad to see his defense sort of slip after, uh, you know, being known for some of his flashier uh, defensive plays and stuff like that. Um, he he really I mean, has JP, had... JP won a gold glove in 2020, yeah. so it's like... Yep going from a gold glove year in 2020 to like this. Well, also we have Perry Hill, who's like a infield whisperer. So I, I just don't see this continue. I think that this was, I sometimes you just can tell whether they're on the aisle or not, that there's some guys banged up. JB Crawford for me falls in that category. They may have not mm-hmm. said it out loud. They may have not publicized it, but I think JP Crawford had something hampering him for most of the 2022 season. Uh, and he toughed it out and I appreciate that. But I think that we'll see JP, uh, his average, you know, it was 30 points lower than the year before, although he had, uh, almost, uh, oh no, he didn't almost, he had a better OBP in 2022 than 2021, although 30 points lower batting average that just can't continue. <laughs> so I think that we'll see him, you know, get to that. I mean, JP is like the, the literal example of consistency in 2020. He had a 338. Um, sorry. Uh, in 2020, he had a 336 OBP 2021, 338 in 2022, 339. So with that, I think that that comes with a 260 to 280 average here. And I think that with the shift band, I think it's, it, potentially bumps him up into a position where he's going to have that like breakout year that we've been waiting for him to have. Yeah. We're, we're in some uncharted territory with the, the shift ban. Uh, there's, there's going to be some crazy stuff. Jesse Winker is going to be hitting for, I don't know, a thousand uh, OPS. Like, yeah, he's, he's going for 90 bombs. Like Winker, Winker is going to be uh, unleashed on another Dude, team. An- um, another guy to look for, Joey Gallo. Like <laughs> Joey. Gallo. Oh yeah, Joey Gallo oh, was God. a shift monster. So yep, the shift being being banned. I mean, if he can reduce some of his strikeouts, because it's not just the shift ban. It's he needs to reduce strikeouts. But if he can do that, I think that he's he's in a really good really good spot. I'm also wondering what techniques team u- teams use to get around the shift ban. Like maybe there's some uh, there's some unwritten stuff that they can find a loophole and uh, and still make it happen. But yeah, I don't yeah. I don't really I haven't looked at the rules that closely um, to be able to tell. But I know they can't do like the fourth outfielder thing anymore and and stuff like that that mm-hmm. have been incredibly unique. Um, and I think that they'll have like not lines on the field, but like basically you have to have a certain amount of players on the left side and a certain amount of players on the right side. So like you can't, yeah. you can't have, you know, five or you can't have like six infielders or six outfielders and infielders on the right side while you leave one. Like it's gotta be like, I'm assuming that they're going to do like, you got to have two on the side, at least blank over here at least. And so just to prevent that stuff, but I don't know, I'm not a rules guy. So yeah, I'd be interested yeah. to see how those were drawn up because I'm sure that the Tampa Bay Rays are figuring out ways to get around it right now. 
I'm <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, but going going back to JP real quick, I I think that's a conspiracy I can get behind. You know, maybe there was some hampering him down a little bit, uh, and he just wasn't just really felt, like it. Just felt weird, dude. Like it just he didn't have like a ton of energy last year. Like it was just like it wasn't the same JP Crawford that we've seen in previous years. So I'm just I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and go conspiracy and, and say JP is gonna have a better year this year. Yeah, man, you you just don't see uh, you don't see stuff like that coming from like the 2020 season, and you know some of those like high he he was one of the most high energy players on that team that year, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it was just weird to see um, if his defense can uh, be stepped up just a little bit. He he is just a perfect you know um, uh, cheap option for the Mariners to hold on to uh, and that would just be fantastic because uh, Lord knows we are a poverty team and we need it. <laughs> so. yeah, we, we need J.P. Crawford's $7 million AAV to really oh, come yeah. through for us or Absolutely. we're screwed. God forbid we pay Bogarts you know, his money. Um, Alright, well that's going to do it for uh, the Tried and True podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys next week. Just make sure to reach out to tridenttrue.substack.com and you can find all of the blogs, the posts, the podcasts. We're also going to do um, a Twitter space every week as well. Uh, we'll let you guys know when that is. But thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Yep. Later guys. Peace, peace. Peace.